What's up, y'all? I'm JJ McCorvey. I'm a journalist who writes about business and blackness. And I'm Shayna Watson, a fashion industry professional and I guess writer with my eye on the social and cultural impacts of trends and style. And, and this, this is, is Yo business. business. It's a rare condition of this day and age <laughs> to read the many good news on In the, the newspaper, newspaper page. Love and tradition of the, the grand design. Some people say it's, it's even harder to find. Well, then there must yes. be some magic clue inside these gentle walls. Because all I see is a tower of dreams. Real love bursting out of every sea. Right. <laughs> that is a jam jam. It is. Family Matters was a good show. Until, like, they had Steve going all off into space and stuff. And, and I was like, what Wait, is... But did you not like Stefan? I, you know, it's funny. When I was younger, I remember thinking that Stefan was cute. So and cute. now I'm like, what? So cute. <laughs> Jalil, why get out of here? But, but it also just teaches us how, oh, gosh, I hate this, like how unrealistic beauty standards are. Like he just took his glasses off. Right. <laughs> and put on the suit and, and got a shape his, up. That was right. it. And like, but that's, that's like every romance movie trope is like, she takes her glasses off and takes her hand off a ponytail. Right. And now she's like gorgeous, right? right. And, it's like, and she shakes her head. Right. And, and we fell for down, that because yeah. we were like, Stefan, and they were like, mm-hmm. uh, Steve. And it's like, they're the same, y'all. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah. I miss Family Matters, but I miss Family Matters, first of all, with the black hair. Well, with the dark skin. <laughs> with the dark skin. Yeah. I took that very personally. <laughs> with the dark skin, Harriet. <laughs> Don't be offended, but that, she was better. That she was Joe better. Marie Payton. Yeah, and so was the dark skin uh Will Smith. Viv- Vivian. Vivian. Yeah, yeah, I'm Viv, Viv. yeah. I get it, but like we still black. <laughs> I didn't say Ooh. you were not black. <laughs> that hit me. Sorry. It's unintentional uh Friendly, friendly fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So what's going on? Uh, so interesting enough. So mm-hmm. you know we had to knock on last week, mm-hmm. and this week I filed my taxes and took out some small business deductions from like a new laptop that I bought because I'm a writer Uh and then a percentage of my internet because I'm a writer. Nice. And so I just like some stuff off. It knocks some stuff off. My refund looked better. And um I definitely didn't do as many as I could. Like it it did push me to want to next year get an actual person to do it. Mm. Cause I know like I probably could have written off part of my phone bill and stuff like that but I didn't know the percentage and I don't want Uncle Sam coming for me like don't right. audit me <laughs> so I just did very minimal mm-hmm. but even like what I made in writing last year which was not enough because I need to get back to writing and then what I paid for my new computer kind of like evened each other out so it was just That's like cool. so that was a cool takeaway from the interview is yeah. that like there's something I could do literally the next day. So what's up for your business today? So your business. What is our business? What today? is our business? I mean, it's all all of it. But um, so news just broke yesterday, I think, about Jesse Smollett. So we like haven't really talked about him since the beginning. It's yeah. just a hard. It's I've hard. Kinda, yeah, I've kind of been holding on to it because I know in our first like get to know us episodes, he came up and like millions of other people <laughs> around the country I, I assume um i you know we can't we had a very full-throated defense of yeah. him and like um 
not just condemning the hate, the, you know, quote unquote hate crime, but also um, acknowledging that a lot of people did not say anything at the time, which gets to this thing I've been struggling with. It's like, well, I want people to be believed, you know, and and does does what happened to him like oh does the whole situation involving him um hurt the the um, like this the movement toward us believing people when they say something happens right them. which it shouldn't right, right? is right. like the fact nothing is absurd about this happening right like Black people are attacked every day for being black. Gay people are attacked every day for being gay, gay and queer. And so it's like, there's nothing unrealistic about what he's saying. And, you know, in turn, I also, and we'll get to this news, but like 16 felony counts. It's like white people are calling the cops on black people every day falsely. Do they get 16 felony counts? It's like, yeah, y'all went real that. hard yeah. on this. They did. And did the the lady who, Emmett Till, was killed because someone lied about, yeah. did she get 16 counts of yeah, felony? Yeah, I was like, reading the story and they said that for every lie he told, come on. they charged him. Is this kindergarten? Yeah. Like, how can we do that? It doesn't yeah. seem, and so that's the thing, like, I will say that I do believe that something happened to him. Interesting. I do. I do not think that or there to me there is not the evidence that this man paid $3500 to yeah. two men that he knew yeah to beat him up like and so and if he were going to do it black people we are smarter than that he would he write a check yeah come on like it's, it's just hard. like I, I do i believe that there are um things that we still don't know that's oh, what for i sure. believe and I really hope, <laughs> I mean, it's not looking good. I will say that. Right. But I really do hope that there's something else that um, kind of supports, you know, his story and why he did this. But I do think that he should face some consequences if it's if if it turns out that he just made the whole thing up. 16 felony counts. I'm not sure. That's a lot. Yeah. And like. And, you know, I watched, uh, so there's a thing called Grapevine, and it's like Grapevine TV. You can watch it on YouTube, and they have panels that talk about all these things that are happening in culture. And uh, they had a panel recently on this, and it was it was really interesting because it brought up a lot about the divide between Black straight men and Black gay men mm-hmm. and what happens there and why some of this disbelief is because Jesse is gay. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, how there shouldn't have to be an allyship between black men, right? right. You should, you're, that's not an ally. You're a black man. I'm a black man. Right. And so you don't have to put yourself in my shoes right. to be yeah, there for me. That's interesting because it, it, it reminds me of when um, D.L. Hewley, you know, came after Terry Crews, mm. who was uh, groped by mm-hmm. um, a manager at, I think it was WME. Um, this white guy just kind of grabbed his junk and um you know everybody kind of well uh, he had a lot of support terry cruz got had a lot of support when he came out with his story but there were a lot of like straight black men who were like oh man that's terry cruz and like you should have slapped him you should have beat him up and like well so when d.l hewley like made his comments terry like came on twitter and said um it basically like went off on him for it and talked about how he had a lot of respect for him but it's a shame that the people the people who supported him most in coming out about being sexually harassed were black women. And he wished, I think he said he wishes that more black men like DL could have like mm-hmm. stood in solidarity with him. To your point, I think that this doesn't take away from like 
the uh, it shouldn't take away from us um, the ongoing movement uh, for just like when people Believing say something victims. happened to them, yeah. Believe in them or say or like at least can we just start at not trying to disqualify them? Right. Let's start. Yeah, there. we're not detectives, <laughs> and it's like this is what frustrates me is like when we found out that like Ryan Lochte was lying. Mm-hmm. Did we stop believing all white people that said that they were robbed? Mm. Or did white people ever worry that that was going to set their community back because Ryan Lochte lied? Right. No. <laughs> I feel like with with that news coming out and then the MJ documentary this week, it's just been like a, a damn week. <laughs> like It has. Did um, you watch it? I didn't. I do think it it brings us to this question of something that you and I talk as friends about, like, when do we when is it when do we cancel you know and what can we cancel because at this point Michael Jackson is obviously dead but his influence is like in so much of pop culture it's hard to because what what you don't cancel in what you cancel in Michael Jackson you know in his music you can also hear it in Bruno Mars and you know The Weeknd well and then maybe cancel you know it's like I've started to reevaluate cancel culture and after talking to a friend because the issue with cancel culture is that it's because we put people on pedestals in the first place Mm. right Michael Jackson was a human being. And so the music was there and then the human was there making it. And this is a huge, disgusting thing. But then I'm sure he also like lied a lot and cheated. And you know what I mean? There was nothing perfect about him. There's nothing perfect, perfect about any of us. And so sometimes I wonder if the cancel part comes from that we wanted that perfection and now it's gone and so now we got to throw you away. Right. And but maybe then, if we approach it from the outset as right. these are people right. not like God. But then I do also agree that there has to be some action of us no longer continuing to support. But then, like yeah. you said, he's not here, and so yeah. then like w- so like we don't support, and then well, you that, know, radio the, radio stations around the country are now like banning his music from being played, which is like. So then let, let's trickle this down on a business mm-hmm. level, right? Like, so they play the music, what he gets streams or people purchase, and that money goes to his estate, which then goes to his children. Mm-hmm. And so then we're like, you know, so like, what are we yeah. canceling for real? Yeah. That's and, so and that's yeah. what makes it hard for me. Like, R. Kelly feels different because that nigga has been playing child support. Mm. So his kids aren't getting the money mm. and he's living in Trump Tower and has all of this. So it's like, I actively don't want to put dollars in his pocket. Yeah, I don't want to support his ability to like keep women locked up. Keep women locked up, not support his own children. You know, like he's back in jail for that now. Mm -hmm. And so that feels different to me than now, whatever, whatever, wherever the estate of MJ is going, which I assume is his children and his family to stop supporting that he's gone. And so it's, I don't know, it's very hard, but I feel like I've started to reevaluate cancel culture a little bit and pay attention to those nuances of just saying like, you're dead to me. Yeah. You know, it makes me question uh, how participatory we are. And just like the, the, um, the glorification and the spectacleness of like the, these mm, traumas, you mm-hmm. know, and you think about like, you know, life, to, uh, that R. Kelly documentary they ran that was on like, like a loop, but it was also like their most successful, like right. airing of anything ever yeah. <laughs> in his lifetime. Yeah. And I, and I, and I do acknowledge and appreciate the platform, but it's also like, you know, how much of it is monetization. And you look at what I'm, and I haven't looked at the numbers for the HBO special uh, with the, 
um, with Michael Jackson uh, allegations, but I wonder, I, I'm sure that they were like sky high, like ratings and like downloads or whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Something to think about. Yeah. That was a bummer. <laughs> um, okay, so some interesting things happened in business. Like, I mean, this is all business, but mm-hmm. in kind of the the more traditional sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, so you and I talked about this earlier, and I found this out just by like some Google searching, but Airbnb purchased hotel tonight Mm -hmm. this week Mm -hmm. um which is interesting because it's like airbnb i thought your whole thing was that we don't need hotels right so airbnb you can basically rent out most people probably know listening to this you can rent out someone's room apartment or whatever um and they just purchased hotel tonight which I actually love, and yeah, I know a lot of people that use yeah, it. Hotel Tonight has saved me a lot of money. But you know, on I'm such a trips. planner. Yeah, Hotel Tonight is like my nightmare. It's like anxiety. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I'm such a planner, and like when I go on a trip, I buy the flight first, and I don't buy the hotel. I buy the hotel maybe a couple weeks out, but tonight, yeah, that's scary. But there's always something available. Yeah, and they're like a lot of them are good hotels for right. like good prices. Yeah, no, I'm sure. And it saved me like when things have come up when I'm traveling for work and I'm like oh you know I need to I need somewhere to lay my head um and a, a healthy place to lay my head right uh, <laughs> a clean place yeah um but um yeah so Airbnb just bought a hotel tonight um and I don't know it's just uh, my first thought was I thought to your point I thought that you were just the 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 right. basis was to rent out your home to people right. and like you didn't and have to. And we were to, like community building. Yeah, we were community. We were like in the sharing economy, yeah. you know, and like letting people make money off of, you know, their additional money off of their property. Right. But then you're reminded that it's a business and they only care about the money. <laughs> <laughs> like it was never about the hands across America. Right. Right. Which is what the whole like sharing economy um you know, uh, I, concept was proposed as, you know, like there's too much consumption. Right. It's um, better for the environment. Yeah. Um, so, and now like I noticed that Airbnb is kind of uh, branding itself as a an end-to-end travel platform. And I'm like, oh, well, I thought we were just Yeah, I thought we were sharing. We were sharing. <laughs> I thought we were just all friends. I thought I just like got in my friend's car, he drove yeah. me here, and then I stayed at my friend's apartment. Yeah, no, not the case. Um, but but is it because there's no money in that? No, I think that um, with any business, um, there is well, not with any, but with most businesses, there is just like that impetus to keep growing, especially like startups, you know, that right. are. Um, tech enabled, um, like an Airbnb or a hotel tonight, um, or as we'll get to in a second, Lyft. Um, but you know, you have investors, and they're like, you know, we want to see profits, and we want to see like, we want to see you like dominate. And so now it's not just about the sharing economy; it's about okay, but how can you? You've already like, you know, put a dent in the in the revenue of hotels. So how right. can you now like move further into you know, the hotel space and take over. Yeah, um, but I, and I guess, I guess Hotel Tonight at least still isn't just regular hotels, right? It's still like this discount idea. It's still kind of like cutting corners while you travel. So I could see the the connection there, but it does seem interesting. And then like how, how you brought up with Lyft and Uber, like I feel like those were all touted as like 
there's so there's so many resources here. Let's share them. Mm-hmm. But then it's coming out as list IPO disclosure comes out and Ubers is close that like there's not really money in mm-hmm. that or at least <laughs> profitable money. And so then it's like <laughs> sharing is on its way out. But, you know, what's on its way back in. What's that? Baby fat. You right. <laughs> <laughs> like that's important and we can't we like, can't not we talk, can't about, talk about this. Simmons. And the funny thing is though, when you think about the news and like how absurd sometimes I think about like if I was an alien and I was reading our news and I heard that a company where people where strangers share their house and where strangers share their cars. And also a baby fan. And is also <laughs> like a brand from the nineties is huge. Like it's just like very funny. Yeah. Um but yeah, I thought that was interesting what? news. So what's the can we say the news real quick though? So uh so yeah so Kimberly Simmons Bought so years ago, Russell Simmons sold Baby Fat to what's the company called? Kel Kelwood. Kelwood. Yeah, y'all should Google Kelwood to see what and, their brands look like. Yeah, you'll be in for a treat. Um, <laughs> and so, so Kamora Lee, she recently um, bought Baby Fat back and is planning on relaunching it. She said she had to quote unquote hunt around for it. <laughs> right, because Kel- Kelwood was never planning on doing anything with this black ass brand. No, because Baby. Baby Fat was, you know, it did make a mark, you know, um, and I will be interested to see what the fashions look like in yeah, 2019. Yeah, no, me too. That's yeah. going to be a big one. Yeah. Um, and then do we have tech news? We always do. We always do. And I hate to keep like bringing up Facebook. Yeah, we need to put a ban. <laughs> well, and, we can. Them and the Kardashians, like after this right. episode, we need a hiatus. But that's the thing. Like, that's the issue because... I don't like, you know, like scanning the business news and like thinking of something else horrible or like shady or like side eye inducing that Facebook is, you know, in the news for it. But that's what it is because they own so much of our communications. You right. know, when you think about Instagram and WhatsApp and Facebook and Messenger and um, uh, just how much they, with those tools, how much they impact like the way we communicate in the world today. Mark Zuckerberg recently announced that um, he was putting forth a new privacy-focused vision. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, we can't even get it out. Oh. <laughs> so you're laughing. concerned about that. <laughs> a new privacy-focused Facebook. Um, uh, and I'll just, let me just talk about some of the things that he said he's want to focus on. So it says this, he he wrote this on Facebook, like literally on Facebook. Duh. He posted something, this long message. This privacy-focused platform will be built around several principles. Private interactions. People should have simple, intimate places where they have clear control. Yeah. Yeah, you think? You think? We thought we did. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of thought that's what was happening. Encryption. People's private communication should be secure. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. End-to-end encryption prevents anyone, including us, and Russia, from (laughs) right from seeing what people share on our services. Interoperability: People should be able to use any of our apps to reach their friends, and they should be able to communicate across networks easily and securely. So this 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 was kind of like funny to me, and then calling it privacy focus is just kind of a um, a nice wrapping mm-hmm. on on the whole thing mm-hmm. what when i and i think the real they're failing to address the real privacy issues by by 
putting forth this strategy that I think really solves another purpose, which is to prepare for them being broken up by the FTC. Mm, um, yeah. Scandal. So, <laughs> so um, there was also uh, news recently that Elizabeth Warren, who was like a front runner in the uh, 2020 presidential um, election, mm-hmm. um, that she she wants to break up big tech, and that includes you know Amazon, you know, and obviously Facebook. And there are some people who think that by by focusing on messaging and like letting these like cross, you know, letting someone from Instagram you know, text someone from WhatsApp and, you know, and all these other apps. But do we really need that? Just get on WhatsApp. I don't think we do. But again, I think, I think they're trying to prepare. So like if, if say Facebook as an entity is broken up, then Mm -hmm. they can still like retain, you know, the the usership and the engagement. And I think that's really what's happening here. Which is why I feel like our guest who's coming up next, Chloe Mm -hmm. Taylor, the founder of Chloe Taylor Technology, um, is perfect to talk about that, about like technology is taking over. And so the literacy that we need to have Mm -hmm. should also be growing so that we can be very like active users in this and not just allow it to take hold of us. Right. And when something... When a new Facebook initiative comes in, we can be like, okay, I know what this means. We know means. what this know means. What and to, on the back yep. end, we know what that what they're really saying. Yep. So, yeah, she's going to uh, drop some gems. She has so much for us. So, come I'm back. looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay. So, today we have an awesome, awesome guest. We have Chloe Taylor, who is the founder of Chloe Taylor Technology. And, like, I'm pretty sure in the dictionary under Secure the Bag is a picture <laughs> of Chloe. Like, um, just a little bit about Chloe Taylor Technology. So, it's an education consulting company focused on STEM education including computer science, robotics, and 3D printing. So, like, she's... All of the tech Yeah, things. like, we're 2019, <laughs> and Chloe is, like, 3018. Right. We're, like, just living in a different year than her. What did, what did Fergie say? I'm 2008, you're right, 2008. Right, you're 2008, because we are. Like, Chloe's light years ahead of us. Right. Now she's 3D printing food, and we're just, like, eating regular food, so... Just ramen. Yeah, just, right? Like, we don't know. So, obviously, I've known you for a very long time. Yeah. Chloe was, like, at my 21st birthday yes. carrying me home drunk, right? Like, that's how... That's how, that's how far we've come. That's how far we've come. That's how long we've known each yes, other. Um, and she started her career as a teacher, so she, like, has a lot to tell us about the perfect pivot so if you're ready to dive right in we have a billion questions absolutely let's do it tell us what you do and then how you even realize that this was something that was needed in the market right so i realized a lot of teachers a lot of people in general that that i meet are resistant to the idea that our world is changing so quickly and afraid they're really afraid of technology because they don't understand how it works um there's a big psychological piece there of thinking that if I don't know, I'm a grown person, I'm smart, I'm an adult, but I have no idea how this thing works. And Mm -hmm. so I'm afraid to even try. Um, And that's kind of where my work comes in with adults. With Mm -hmm. kids, kids are more open to Mm -hmm. thinking like 3D printing food. What's that? Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, right? I'll show you. Let's do it together. Adults are just very skeptical, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe a little bit curious, but there's a big social emotional piece that I like to address Mm -hmm. first before I get into the work. And your client list, if we look on your site, is insane. (laughs) And like your partnerships, the companies you have partnered with are global, huge. How do you find them? Do they find you? Like, what is the secret? I thought of social media 
as something that's destructive, uh, social media, mm-hmm. people are addicted to it, and it's all about liking pictures and comparison. Mm. And I was in that mindset for so long that I didn't even really promote my camp business online. If I did, it was like pictures of the kids, pictures of the park. Right. Um, I had to switch my mindset up into being online for my business Mm -hmm. is not just posting pictures of myself. Being online for my business is strategic, and it's not about my vanity or impressing people. No one will be able to find me if they can't look me up. And I have a friend who's working on a business now, and she's like, oh, I'm not a big social media person. But she's trying to get uh, collaborations. And I said, the first thing they do when you send that email is Google you. Right. If there's nothing there, they're not going to follow up. Mm-hmm. Um, so last year in January, I made an Instagram for business account and started just literally, the internet is a wonderful thing to use to find out every piece of information you'll need. I mean, it's accessible. So I literally just went on like social media marketing sites and how-to guides, looked up hashtags that I should be using, um, looked at the t- looked up the times I should be posting, hmm. um, and just started posting what I do. Because right. it's one thing to explain it to people, but it, they need to see photos of it. Right. Even my friends and family are like, okay, I get what you do, but I don't really know what you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so showing a picture is the easiest way. Right. And you've talked to me before about like how lit your DMs get. Yes. <laughs> and it's yeah. just like, I think the importance of that, like we don't think of DMs in that sense, but it's like the hashtags are crucial. And then through that, people are sliding in your DMs for business yeah. partnerships. And let me say something about that. So I started my Instagram account last January, last February. And um, I'm pretty slow with the other networks as well, but I have accounts. I still only have like a thousand followers, right? Which is a very small number. Right. So I think you need 10,000 followers to be considered a micro-influencer. So when I started, I kind of thought like, oh, 10,000. But here's a real message. Yeah, the engagement piece. I got a lot of the collaborations with brands when I had 500 followers, Mm. right? Because they're going to put your content on their platform. Right. So if you're exciting and you have a story, you have a message. And did you tag these brands or like? No, I would tag women in STEM, like girl boss, entrepreneurship. You know, you can look up to see what are the most popular hashtags. Right. Mm. Um, And I wasn't tagging the brand specifically, but literally People who work for the PR companies get online and just look, look through at those the hashtags. hashtags. Right, that's what they do. So you, um, you specifically focus your efforts around STEM, right, and technology and different forms of technology. I've interviewed folks before who says who say that like everyone doesn't need to learn code. Everyone doesn't need to. If you're even if you're a kid, if you're a student, you know you might not need to be involved. And building a computer or building a robot. And um, I see people on Twitter saying, on the other hand, learn to code, learn to mm-hmm. code. So what are the <clears throat> benefits of like, even if you're not going into technology, right? And like, you're not planning on being like a, you know, a coder at Twitter. Like mm-hmm. what, can you talk about some of the benefits of learning STEM and learning about all these technologies um, and how they can really get, you know, 
improve your other ways of thinking. Yes, absolutely. I've heard this too. And in fact, I had a client and we went to dinner um, and there was a man at the dinner who said, you know, not everyone needs to learn how to code. We need people to dig the ditches. And Whoa. I, oh, sorry, <laughs> listeners, all of our eyeballs just got huge because dig the Whoa. damn ditches. Dig the ditches. He also in that conversation what said, a loaded comment. Ooh, yeah. that <laughs> means a lot. We yeah. need somebody to dig the ditches. Right. But it's like, what, don't, don't teach what them What persuasion all. was this man? This was, and you're going to be shocked. This was a black man who is an engineer. Wow. So who does he want to dig the ditches? Exactly. So we in that Ooh. same conversation, he also said, I don't think it's fair that you're doing girls who code because there's not a boys who code. Oh, my Lord. White History Month. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, come on. Right. So I was shocked. I was shocked to hear that. And <sighs> we had a good conversation. Um, I definitely see learning to code as uh, almost an ethical issue, right? Mm. So... Our world is becoming so technological, mm-hmm. but there are there's it's becoming disproportionate mm-hmm. with the number of people who understand technology yeah. Yeah. and the number of people who are just users. Yeah, of it's like switching the native language, but not teaching a majority yeah. of the people right. how right. to speak it. And when you right. say when we say coding, we're talking about. Um, right, like developing apps, you know, learning how to, you know, build yep, web pages websites. and websites, all that. Mm. And yes, no one is, I don't think anybody's saying it's easy, mm. but I think there's value in knowing what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yes. There are a lot of people, and I meet a lot of parents who say, oh, my child is so good with technology. They're always on YouTube. <laughs> and you mean they watch, they watch TV videos. in 2019? <laughs> right. They want to be a YouTuber when they grow up. Yeah. Mm. Fine, but that's not learning to code. Right. Learning to code is really getting in on a foundational level and right. building the things that you will interact with right. from the ground up. Right. right. And if you ask most people, you know, how what they engage with on a daily basis is made. Yeah. They don't know. That's true. So it becomes this kind of equity issue. I've also heard the argument that coding will become, you know, there was the blue collar and then coding will become like the new collar. Not to get so... Oh, get doom, all, get all the way. Day. Oh, doomsday. get all the way. We are like... <laughs> but we're getting to a place... I, I talked to so many people about technology just for my business and also out of my curiosity. And people don't understand the level of machine learning that exists. Right. Um, we're past that point. I think we're, we're, get, we're on the brink of I always like joke halfway jokingly say I want the kids that I work with to be able to disable Skynet right mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like that's that's just, real that's, though it's like my, always my end goal yeah um I love that right like but for a lot of people I I don't know where I don't know what's behind I'd like to break down the argument of not everyone needs to know how to code mm. not everybody needs to be a developer right, right. for sure right. I'm not a developer I'm solidly even though I'm tech influenced I consider myself to be solidly on the education side mm-hmm. um you don't have to be a developer you don't have to go to the fullest ex- extent of being a startup founder you don't have to do that but you want to equip yourself with knowledge in any way right, right. I meet a lot of young people and mentor a lot of young people that are in college and they have where we were, girl. (laughs) (laughs) They have the same mindset of, 
well, I want to be a lawyer. So why do I need to take this, this, yeah. and that class? Mm. Yeah. I just want to I said that with life. every class. I'm like, I'm a psych fit major, which like, that turned into something else. But <laughs> right. like, why do I need to take calculus? Why do I need to be in computer right. programming? I fought the whole this. way. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm like ghost of Christmas future <laughs> to these kids. Right. I'm like, the world is changing in such a rapid, it, it, the world is not, the world you will go into is not the world that you are in now. Yeah. Just get your degree, follow your passions, Mm -hmm. and you want to be well-informed and well-rounded. So if you're an entertainment lawyer, you're not going to be complaining about the arts classes that you took back in the day because you'll be able to relate to artists in a way that gives you a foundational knowledge. The same is true. Knowledge is power. We know that. We've seen it on every single after school special and billboard. <laughs> right. But what it actually means is don't deny opportunities to learn something just because you right. don't think you need it. Right. Well, just be prepared, you know, and to be well equipped for the, the way that the world is heading. Yeah. I want to talk a little more about if you see that disparity between like, are our kids, are, mm. are we bringing our kids to come learn this? Do we give a big pushback as parents? Like what, what do you see kind of the difference between how maybe black parents and non-black parents yeah. approach their kids because get it, gaining this literacy? That's a good question. The answer isn't as straightforward as you would think. Mm. So I've worked with a lot of affluent white families that are resistant to their kids having screen time, Mm. learning technology, because they're almost on the more uh, like crunchy granola. Mm -hmm. We don't we don't let our children use tablets type of deal. Mm -hmm. So it's not as clear cut like kids who don't have the access aren't learning. It's it doesn't the lines aren't clean that Mm -hmm. way. Um, I definitely feel like it depends on the neighborhood and the population I'm with because those some families are like, I work in technology and I want my child to be able to do that as well. Those are the people, regardless of race, right. that are the people that really want to see my work and are really interested and want to have these deep conversations. So it's not in my, from my perspective, it's not really linked to um race or socioeconomic status mm-hmm. as much as it is like um, a mentality yeah the mentality yeah. of the family right yeah um again you know i see kids of all races just binging youtube right and playing fortnite and right. and just you know just hours upon hours of just consuming screen time mm-hmm. um i think that's a bigger issue definitely though underline like every other black experience <laughs> we need more oh, right. people of color Always. and technology Never enough. we need more access it's a huge part of my work is to get girls and children of color with some hands-on immersive opportunities to learn technology right and that's sure. what i love that because it's like sometimes it's not even that they all have to take girls who code and decide they want to code but now they have the opportunity to decide they don't want to do it and not out of not knowing out of experiencing and saying this isn't my thing right like i think a lot of times our kids unfortunately and that's something that carnegie mellon did awesome is that like we got to say all right this isn't my thing but not because we didn't have access to it and not because right. we didn't know it, because we tried it and said, no, I don't like right. this. You know? They were like, we're going to make you We're going to make you, yeah. Take a bite. Right. Um, and, you know, if you think about tech as an equalizer, though, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big supporter of the Girls Who Code program. And I've heard Reshma Sajani, who's the founder, talk about a, a girl who took Girls Who Code 
her, she did the summer immersion program, I think, um, in high school, majored in computer science in college, and then got a job as a developer out of college and lifted her whole family out of poverty. Mm, like, you wow. have to think about yeah. these, the starting salaries are sometimes six figures. Right. So, and genera- generationally, especially as people of color or, you know, like, right. that's huge. That's enough to bring your whole family. Well, yeah, yeah, one six-figure salary. Right. If your whole family was working, you know, minimum wage jobs. Right. That is something that every child deserves a shot. Yes. At, right. Right. And I also meet kids and people who may not be great students overall, but then they get a taste of coding or they get a taste of a different um, technology or working in a different medium and something lights up for them mm-hmm. and it clicks and they're like, oh, this is my thing. Yeah. But I might not have never, I might never have had that opportunity to know. Right. Yeah. We saw this report recently on LinkedIn that showed that consultant jobs were like actually on the rise. Like more mm-hmm. people are going mm-hmm. into consulting and going their own independent way and kind of honing their expertise um, to turn into a service to mm-hmm. offer people. What kind of advice would you give to other entrepreneurs and independent consultants venturing out on their own, like regardless of what industry yeah. they're, they're going into? Good question. So shout out to Pittsburgh. Shout out to the Black people in Pittsburgh. Yeah, um, <laughs> all 10 of us. <laughs> but all 10 of us grew up thinking you get a job when you're young and you you work, stay in that you stay in yeah. that job. You don't rock the boat. Yep. You stay there for 30 years, you get that pension. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I don't fault people for teaching us that because that was survival. Yeah. It's in safety. It was mm-hmm. safety. You had your benefits. You could have your family. You could keep your home, right? When I started teaching, someone said, um, oh, you're gonna be a teacher? Let me and there was another teacher. He said, You'll never be rich. Mm. You always have food on the table Oof. and a roof over Oof. your head. And I Ouch. said, not me. <laughs> not not me. Avoid this. Sometimes we'll see like shade, no shade, like a life that we don't want. And Chloe will be like, avoid, avoid this. this. That's what like, I used to say. Mental, child. mental yeah. health. Child. Avoid mom, this. My mom will happily tell that story. I love, I love saying avoid this as a child. Because <laughs> I saw it on a car seat as a child was slumped. <laughs> but, but a child was slumped over. You're like, I don't want to be that child. Avoid this. Avoid this. But avoid this. We we were surviving and we got to a place and our families got us to a place yeah. where they survived. But now it's time for better. Right. We yeah, can expand we, our we can ambitions. thrive now. Yeah. We yeah. can thrive. We moved from survive. Now we're going to thrive. And sometimes thriving means that I wake up at a time that's good for my body, right? I take a day off when I need it. So if we wanted to make make the move to be a consultant, what is the first step? Um, I would, I would broaden it a little bit because a lot of people ask me, how should I start my first business just mm-hmm. in general, whether it's like fixing phone screens or selling hair or being a consultant or whatever, doing freelance web, web development. Um, my advice is always start now. Mm. A lot Every of, guest has told us that. Mm-hmm. So start now. Just start. Mm-hmm. Just start. A, because everyone says, I want to start a business when I leave my job. Mm-hmm. And you have to start now. Right. I, d- I did not. I'll tell you this. It sounds like I did. I just jumped out. I did not just jump oh, out of my career. I know. I had money seed. saved mm-hmm. from the venture that had been built. Mm-hmm. Right. So start where you are. You have to. And I would say start small. 
right? So maybe in my mind, Forbes magazine is my next move, right? Mm -hmm. I want to be there. I want to really build something big and influential and well-known. I started with literally 10 kids on a rug. Right. You have to think about your first step. So let's say you want to start a business and you work a nine to five. If you can get disciplined enough to work on that business from the hours of 7 to 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. from Monday to Thursday, and you're really putting in that consistent action, you will grow. Right. You have the internet at your disposal if you're listening to a podcast. Right. right? Everything you really need to know is on the internet. That's a great thing about the internet. You don't, it's not like back in the day when people were literally taking books from the library mm -hmm. to learn how to code. Encyclopedia Britannica. Right. Mm. You can literally Google and file and do everything you need to do online. So if you have a laptop and a phone and a notebook and a piece of paper and one hour to give yourself four days a week, and, and you can consistently push through that, you can start. But if you really just don't like your job, you're not going to be successful in your business. Right. Like, it's bigger mm. than just not wanting to be Not here. wanting to do this. Yeah, it's not about what you don't want to do. It's about figuring out what you want Absolutely. to do. Absolutely. I get a bunch of DMs all the time. Like, I'm trying to start a business. I really hate my job. Blah, 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 blah. Fine. You can leave your job. Right. Where's the passion behind it? Right. Yeah. Right. So... That's where you start. And, you know, I'm a Virgo. I'm <laughs> very consistent. Consistency. <laughs> oh, I don't know what that. What? What song is that? Is it uh, Beyonce? Dangerously in Love. Beyonce she says, I'm a Virgo. A gift from, no, a, well, yeah, that, yeah. but a gift from Virgo, like the last song. Of IDK. All right. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Sorry, go ahead. You're a Virgo. Very and so consistent. Is Beyonce. Beyonce is the queen of all Virgos, mm -hmm. right? And so cons I hate cliches, but let me tell you something. When I started taking the advice of cliches, mm. give like, us one. Consistency is key. Yeah. Like, you hear it yeah. all the time. Okay, fine. But no, what they mean is... If you want to, if you really want to start a business, you need to work those four days and hold yourself. Right. Like you need to treat yourself as your client. So if I say, oh yeah, seven to eight, Monday through Thursday are show my work up. hours and I don't show up. Right. Mm, that's good. That's good. All right. We, you have to get out of here because she has a panel, y'all. She's like <laughs> a very important lady. Can you give us one last tip, advice, avoid this, something? Oh. <laughs> When things feel hard and you're always getting played, mm -hmm. a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of people are a lot of times you're playing your damn self. That's mo most of the time, Chloe used to say that to me all the time. Most of the time, and yeah. I meet a lot of women who are entrepreneurs, and they're like, "Well, they're gonna try to play me, and they're gonna." Do I'm like, "So yeah, you? They hyped, are now. You? Yeah, you yeah. hyped yourself up all about how nobody's gonna take you seriously, and they're gonna discriminate, and you have imposter syndrome, and blah 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 blah, and you've done this whole monologue about how it's not gonna work out, right? And that's the energy you brought, right? Of course, discrimination discrimination exists. Oh, right. It's a real thing. It's a real yeah. thing. But also, if you buy into it, it's worse. Right. So, well, we love you. We have to get you out of here. You. I don't want you to be late. But can you tell us where we can find you on the socials? Yes. I'm at Chloe Taylor Tech on just about every single social network. And I'm also on Patreon. Yeah, So Patreon. if you want to support the work... For like $5 a month, um, you can find me there at Chloe Taylor Tech. 
Awesome. Cool. Thank you so much, Chloe. Yes. Have Yo a good panel. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm just like obsessed with black girls. Just yeah, like me too. Right? It's just like, <laughs> I feel like there's a, I mean, I'm obsessed with black people, but um, just like being in the room with Chloe and knowing everything that she's done and like just being able to feel that energy of worth and yeah. like how she feels and how much she wants other people to be able to feel theirs yeah. um, is awesome. So that was great. She had some awesome takeaways for us. She did. All right. Are you ready for the LLC this week? I'm ready. So that's our loved, learned, canceled segment where we like rant a little, but also just like say something from our week that we love, learned, or canceled. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. <sighs> oh, Lord. <laughs> where are we about to go? So I loved um, my love for the week is Gail King. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure you saw, if you didn't see the whole interview, you at least saw clips yes. <laughs> um, of Gail King interviewing R. Kelly on CBS about the allegations of, against him of sexual abuse and, you know, uh, basically holding young girls against their will, um, brainwashing them, having Did their you hear when he was like, I don't even know how to tie people up. I didn't see that. Part. It was huge. I did see when he was like, "There are real girls in the world uh-huh. with handcuffs." Oh, he was like, the the tears. Yeah, the tears that came out. Ugh. But my love this girl came one just because of good journalism. Yeah. Like I, it, it kind of because Gail is so uh, well known and she's like Oprah's bestie. You kind mm-hmm. of forget for a little bit like how good of a like a on air right. journalist Oprah's she is. Her bestie. Yeah. Like I was like Gail. <laughs> yeah, she was like. Just like grilling him and like pinning him down. She had a follow-up. She caught every little thing. Yep. She's like, oh, wait, so uh, are you an older man who likes younger women? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I also liked um, how she just, you know, remained so poised and basically didn't even like give him eye contact no. when he rose up and like was yelling yep. all over her in that uh, that image that went Robert. viral. Yeah, Robert. Uh, yeah, Ro- Robert. Yeah, Robert. She's like, we're here for Robert, business. We need to have a. We have right. to have a conversation. Yeah, Robert, I'm giving you Robert. an opportunity. This is what you. Which need Which also to do. like humanized him and like brought him down to like size. Like I'm not calling you R. Kelly. Your right. name is Robert, Robert, and you're one of us. Have a seat. Sit down. Yeah. <laughs> like only a black mother could. Yeah. So that's my love. I just love Gail and like just seeing because I feel like we don't see a lot of good interviewing like that happening on network news shows right. today. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, I mean, it happens here and there, but it's not often. And so to see her just like grill him was just like, a, it, it brought my journalist heart joy. And then my cancel real quick is, um, so Captain Marvel, is just, which is a Marvel movie that I have. <laughs> yeah, what that? <laughs> so Captain Marvel is a, a superhero and she, uh, she? finally... Wait, she. I'm into this. <laughs> oh, you thought it was the man? Yeah. No, you lying. You didn't know Brie Larson was Captain Marvel? Who that? You know who Brie Larson is? No. I'm done with is you. Is she white? Okay, good night. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is she an actress? 
Yeah. Did, did you see Room? No. I'm done with you. What am I? What am I? <sighs> she won the Academy Award. For A lot of people do. <laughs> anyway, Brie Larson won the Academy Award for for Room. Okay. Um, and now she is Captain Marvel, which is a, a female superheroine. Um, oh, I hate that word, superhero. Right. <laughs> um, We're still here. And now she's exactly. And so now she's um, finally in, getting her own movie um and it's marvel's first female-led out of like 20 oh my gosh should i be watching movies. it yeah you should what? it's like out of like 20 movies they put out it's the first female-led one um and i'm just really looking forward to it captain marvel is like she used to be named miss marvel she's one of my favorite oh. uh, superheroes there's actually like a lot of um uh, ugh, catharsis and trauma in the Captain Marvel uh, story. She was, um, I mean, effectively raped, you know, one time. And 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 um, what the heck? Yeah, and I didn't and, know comic books were like this. They get deep. I've wow. been trying, trying to tell you. You do, uh, but I don't anyway. Pay so so Captain Marvel. She's one of my favorite uh, characters, and she's finally hitting the big screen. I'm going to see it literally tonight after Yay. we wrap up this podcast. Um, am I canceled? Is for all the outlets, you know, who assigned like straight white men to review the movie, you know, because it's like one Captain Marvel is like a clear, like a clear female empowerment kind right. of character and right. movie. And then two, Brie Larson specifically said like a month ago, and I'll just I'll read a statement a little now, bit. Is of she it. white? Yeah, she oh, is. Okay, but. She she said this. She gave she gave an interview with in Marie Claire. She said about a year ago I started paying paying attention to what my press days looked like and the critics reviewing movies and noticed it appeared to be overwhelmingly white male. Um, so I spoke to this woman at the Annenberg Inclusion Initiative who put together a study to confirm that. <laughs> and moving forward, I decided to make sure my press days were more inclusive. And so, what did like the majority of like media outlets do? <laughs> and like why? Like and, they, they had to intentionally. That's what it felt like, and, and there there was kind of also this like troll campaign online to like sab uh, sabotage the reviews, like on Rotten Tomatoes. Why? Because she because because once because Brie Larson made that um, statement, yeah. But also because of Captain Marvel, it is like you know it is a female focused, female empower. The, the theme is like female empowerment, yeah. and so like all these like you know MAGA. Guys who are like also how do you know they maga? That's a, no because they're, they're because there's the word for it. what is it? It's a uh, incel. Have you heard that term? No, the incel. I'll see you in the link later. Um, but what it's is basically it? it's basically like a term for um men who seem to me mostly white who are like so like anti-feminist that they are uh, just like they feel they need to protect the sanctity of like manhood and all this kind of stuff white genocide so anyway they <laughs> they got together and like tried to like sabotage the, the movie reviews and so to see like legit uh uh outlets like do the same thing right and assign like, you don't have like one entertainment reporter who's a woman on staff to like review this movie and like they gave it like man you know mediocre oh, they didn't like yeah. it most of, of, course. of course most of them didn't like it you Ugh. know this is like so that was just like a cancel like do better yeah, like that's media gross. you know just I guess self like criticism of my own industry but we gotta do better right my canceled this week, and this is going to be, I feel like people are going to disagree, mm -mm. Um, <laughs> is the appropriation of black church culture. Hmm. So, 
I don't know if you've seen Kanye's Sunday service. Um, I haven't, but I've heard about it. Okay. And I think it's, I think that there's a lot of dope aspects to it, but similarly to how you feel about Red Table Talk in Facebook, Mm -hmm. I feel that this has made black people be like, oh, well, Kanye's back in the fold because he's like playing our our Marvin Sapp, like our black church music. Mm -hmm. And there is a there is a black church culture and a lot of us even if we don't go to church today even if what no matter what our beliefs in we're raised in that Mm -hmm. and it's that like that's a word and i'm gonna throw my shoe at you and that (laughs) you know like these are all black church culture things and that always sells like you bring a gospel choir up and that's huge and so i I mean the majority of our like well not the majority but think about how many soul singers and like r&b singers like come from directly from the church right and then uh, take that and then and then other co- other cultures right. <laughs> take from that and put yeah. in their music so the black church is yeah. literally and in like, everything even yeah. as far as like the preach and mm-hmm. like won't he do it and all mm-hmm. of that that's all black church mm-hmm. culture and so it just frustrates me as someone who and this this to me is not about religion mm-hmm. like as someone who is in church culture hard mm-hmm. you and I spend more time inside a church building than we do outside of mm-hmm. it it's just frustrating to see the the sell of it Mm -hmm. without sometimes even a tie back to like what black, the importance of black church culture and how black religion like got us through Mm -hmm. and all of that, you know? And it's just like more now on display to me to like make white people feel like they're part of a black experience, make black people feel like you care about the black experience. And so it just frustrates me. And not that I don't think that Kanye Sunday service is like, a touch of musical genius mm-hmm. cuz like I would never strip him of that but it's just like maybe it's him trying to get back in our good graces after posing but like with Trump and you're pictures. married to and have three children with the <laughs> biggest like culture vulture culture vulture purveyor of anything black including you mm-hmm. and like I don't know it's hard for me to think that Kanye is not utilizing his black roots to get somewhere similarly to how his wife uses black roots to get somewhere. I just see a lot of parallels. And so that's been frustrating me. And I guess my, my one glimmer of hope is that maybe like, uh, the Kanye Sunday service could be, he might be using it as his lifeline. But, But does he no longer think slavery was a choice? Does he no longer think that MAGA makes him powerful because no one can touch? Right? Like, you still said these things. And so now because you're singing Never Would Have Made It, we forgot? (laughs) Get out of here. I canceled. And I'm not necessarily canceling Kanye. I'm canceling this idea that all you need is a gospel choir. Mm. And no tie back to, like, God, number one, which is huge. And then no tie back to the sanctity of black church culture and like how important that that is to us. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's not a gospel song. It's not a thank you, Jesus. It's not a Jesus take the wheel. It's not a preach. Mm -hmm. It's not. That's not what it is. It's not this like dramatization of faith. Mm. You better preach. <laughs> so that was my that was my cancel. It, it made me upset, as you can see. Yeah. Um, and then my learned it, it's more like a loved and was reminded of this week is the restorative power of black energy and imagery. Mm. So I was like very tired this week. I think just like work was really hard. I just felt the news made me tired. And looking at things like Solange's visual album, 
Issa Rae and her friends hanging out in New Orleans. Um, Tommy by Zendaya did a runway where Grace Jones closed the I runway. Saw that. Just like she's like seven years old and, and just like so good. awesome. And it just reminded me how why black spaces are so important to me. And you know, you and I talk about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Of like, I am not concerned when it comes to my self-care with being inclusive with it. And so if if what makes me feel great is watching a visual album where there's not a single person that's not Black, that is what I need. And I felt so restored by that. Like, And so when you say I'm not going to apologize for just wanting to see that, you shouldn't. Because... Right. That's all we had for so long. And even today with dealing with like racist policies and like microaggressions, it's like sometimes you do just want to like, you want to see yourself in a certain light and see your people in a certain light to be reminded of like what you're worth. And you want to like go home and not have to like explain your being, right? Like I talk to you about that all the time. Mm -hmm. It's like, I I want to stop explaining why my hair is different. Yeah. I want to stop explaining, like they ask me those questions at Mm -hmm. work. And so I feel... There are times you have to explain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is fine if that's what you want to do. Yeah. I don't. In my free time. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like for me, I just like... Uh, ever? Um, I mean, if I'm getting paid for it, yes. And, <laughs> and if I feel like it's a real... If I feel like the question is rooted in something bigger than you wanting me to do the emotional work for you. Because mm-hmm. at this point... A lot of information is available on Google. A lot mm-hmm. of people wrote about the black experience. You know, like I, I, I don't want to be your conduit to black culture. I don't, I don't need to be. That's not my job. Mm-hmm. And there's a billion think pieces about all of this that you could read and do your research. And then if you want to come back to me mm-hmm. with points from your research, and I know that you've done the work, mm-hmm. then that's another thing than coming to me and saying, "I can't wait for you to see the light." Oh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm going tonight to see, or no, tomorrow night, to see um, a play at MCC Mm -hmm. Theater called The Light that I'm really excited about. So they get to that, um, to what I'm about to say, which is, unfortunately, sometimes it takes, there can be all the think pieces, there can be, you know, all the research that someone can do to, like, that they can educate themselves and understand, but sometimes it takes, like, someone who whom you love and are and it sucks that 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 that's how it is but sometimes it does take someone who you love you know you seeing them be affected by it and like they have to break it down that's such bullshit to me that's like when men are like i didn't know until i had a daughter it's like so you didn't know that women were human beings and you should treat them as human beings until one came with your dna that's disgusting but it just brings it home because it makes it emotional Hmm. No, I'm not, and I'm not saying yeah, that I'm not validating like, it. But, I don't like that because it's like it should be emotional because I'm a human, and and I you agree. and you know the reality of the world around you, and you have your eyes open to the fact that not everybody gets to move through this world like you do. This is about <laughs> black energy and black imagery, and how thankful I am for it. So that was my love and reminder. Beautiful. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you. Thank y'all make for sure, another episode. Yes, and make sure that you share, tell your friends, rate us, review us. Uh, just keep listening. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram at A 
N-U creature, C-R-E-A-T-U-R-E. Um, and I'm always open for some DM combo or leave any feedback on the posts. Cool. And you can find me on Twitter at JJ McCorvey, J-J-M-C-C-O-R-V-E-Y. Um, and then on Instagram at JBFly, J-A-Y-B-F-L-Y. Or at Yo Business Pod. Yeah. On Twitter. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye. What can give you a competitive edge in today's red-hot housing market? Rocket can. That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out. Because when you find the perfect home, you don't want to lose it to anybody else. Rocket technology provides a rock-solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers and their agents greater confidence in you. We've already helped over 1 million clients just like you reach their home financing goals this year alone. So remember this, what can help you buy the home you really want? Rocket can. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. That's rocketmortgage.com or call 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on an underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information appraisal and title report. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states and MLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030.